0: Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love
1: for you in a new way. Enjoy. Mitch, Murray, how are you doing? I'm well. It's actually nice to have an audience of four people people to look at a crowd <laughs> not just a
0: camera an audience of four well you yeah. know audience of Oh, there on, we go online, you know Excellent. the holy spirit's with yeah. us mitch I'm, I'm kind of a bit sad this is our final week of mitch's I... favorite verses
1: i know i've really oh. enjoyed this
0: it's been a great opportunity to get to know you a bit better um and once again as always today if you have a question that you'd like to send through about revelation 21 and 22 we're going to be a little bit sort of more honed in on those two chapters take as most of us know the book of revelation is a bit of a beast in itself um, sometimes and we can sort of maybe get too far off what the area of focus of restoration and sort of this end of revelation mm. um, so we'd really encourage you if you've got questions about these two chapters 21 and 22 about the idea of restoration um, and ultimate fulfillment which is found in revelation please send them through we'd love to look at them but mitch Starting off, why is why? this one of your favorite? Well,
1: I suppose the answer is pretty obvious. This is the end. This is the perfection that God has intended for the world, fulfilled um, through Jesus Christ. And I guess tapping into a bit of what I spoke about last week with Asher and resurrection and resurrection hope, for me, that is what drives me. It's the fact that one day we will be resurrected Um it's the fact that the favorite parts of this great world that God has created, mm. we will experience, mm. but without any of the pain, sickness and death. Uh, so like yesterday, we took the family out to Wiseman's Ferry mm. and we were just sitting there and this older couple walked past and this gentleman just said, oh, what a beautiful day. It's just absolutely fantastic because I don't care if I'm in the right LGL, he goes, I don't even know what LGL I'm in, but this is just brilliant to be here. Didn't report him, did you? So like maybe <laughs> flaunting some rules there. Uh, but um, and, uh, this is what Revelation 21 and 22 does to me. It's like this is just the brilliance of God's world yeah. just manifested. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was C.S. Lewis just spoke about Revelation 21 and 22. It's like just the ending of a book. This perfect ending just keeps going on forever and ever and ever. And it's hard to... To comprehend, mm. but yeah, it excites me. Excites me. I can live in a world one day where no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Yeah how God intended. So that's why it's that's why.
0: so good. So look, I think that it would be fair to say for a lot of people, revelation seems to be a little bit of an overwhelming, you know, book and some, some themes. It's sort of a uh, hard to grapple with, maybe harder than some other books of the Bible. How for you, do you see revelation as fitting within this greater canon of
1: scripture that we have as our Bible today? Yeah. So revelation, it is the final revelation of scripture. Yeah. John, is given this great vision of how essentially God's rule and reign will happen. Mm. And it uses these wonderful images and numbers and beasts and all of these things to really point to the fulfillment of what God intended from Genesis. I said in the pastor's desk that the Bible is it's, it's between two trees. Mm. Tree of life at the beginning of the Bible tree of life at the end here in 22 and and in the middle of that is the cross and revelation just takes all these images from the old testament and just puts them through this crazy lens which uh, apocalyptic literature and then it points us to jesus being the king over the earth to who will remove evil and suffering and pain
0: I like that idea of two trees sort of bookending the Bible. I know you and I were talking about the other day, if you kind of wanted to apply a very poor and unscholarly sort of year 10 high school, (laughs) like, application to the Bible, you probably could like, just as an overview, read the first couple of chapters of Genesis, last couple of t- chapters of revelation and start to see this broad picture pretty mm-hmm. like perfectly displayed. There's a lot more meat in that sandwich. Yes. But yes. Yeah. That's really cool. So how do then chapters 21 mm-hmm. and 22 specifically yeah. fit within revelation? Cause there's like okay. some wild dragons and yes. seals and angels and stuff going on. How do 21 and 22 okay. fit within
1: that? So well, do a revelation. Despite its sort of craziness, actually has a plot, mm. and the book basically is. I tell people think of the Exodus, and so in the Exodus narratives, the God brings ten plagues upon Egypt, and then the final plague, the tenth one, it's the Passover, and the Passover the Israelites can be freed. Uh, revelation it's essentially a new Exodus, but it sort of reverses things a bit. Jesus is presented early on in chapters four and five as the Passover Lamb. We have the victory. Mm. Passover, the Passover Lamb has taken our sins away from us. Mm. And then like the Exodus, there's all of these judgments. And we see them in the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. And then at the like the Exodus narrative, what happens to Pharaoh? When is Pharaoh defeated? It's not at the Passover. He lets his rights go, then he's defeated at the Red Sea. That's when. Pharaoh and his armies is defeated. Similar in Revelation. Satan and the beasts are not defeated straight away. They're defeated at the end when there's this great battle and thrown into the lake of fire, and then the end has come. So that's Revelation in a nutshell. It's actually like a new exodus. It's a new exodus. And if you think of it that way, 21 and 22 fit in that, is that the people of God are now in the new promised land, like the Israelites. Mm. And here's a new Jerusalem coming out from heaven and mm. John sees that it's mm. we aren't meant to live in heaven forever we're meant we're creatures of the earth we are if we remember back to genesis we are adam John. man made of the, the adama the earth we are earthlings yeah. and that's what God intended for yeah. us to live on the earth and so that's revelation we are the new israel yeah living in the new land and God has brought in the new Exodus. So there you go. Revelation solved. Love it. All the complexities of it. Well, I mean, look, maybe not because <laughs> you, you brought up
0: ju- like Jerusalem here, yes. right? And there's, there's this talk of like Babylon mm. as well. And there's sort of, I don't know, to me as I'm reading it, it seems like there's these two contrasting yes. ideas of Jerusalem and Babylon. But like as a guy like growing up in Sydney, Australia in 2021, like what does Jerusalem and Babylon have to do with me at all? Like how yes. is it relevant for us yes. as we're reading this text?
1: Oh, great question, Murray. So let's go back to Genesis. And in Genesis after um, the creation narrative, we're introduced to the garden. And in Eden, it's described as having four rivers that flow from it. Now, gravity, how do rivers flow? They flow downstream. So the idea is that Eden is on a mountain. And now you never get this in the Bible. This was the Jewish understanding, is that Eden was actually the site of Mount Moira. Now, Mount Moira is what, what events happen on Mount Moira, do you know? Well, some pretty wild events happen in Genesis, right? Yeah. yeah a, a
0: little bit of um, almost sacrifice, yes. still sacrifice, but yeah, Abraham yes. taking Isaac up.
1: Abraham taking Isaac up. And so Mount Moira, it was the site where David offered a, a sacrifice essentially to stop the angel of Yahweh destroying Jerusalem. It's the same site where Solomon builds his temple. Now, jumping back into Genesis, in Genesis 14, we meet a guy called Melchizedek. Mm. And he is a priest and a king of Salem. Mm. And so, Salem, Jerusalem, this holy city. And so, with that idea of Eden, again, it's a Jewish understanding. It's not in scripture, but what the prophets do in Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah 4.4, four, they describe Zion, Jerusalem, as like this world. Mountain, Mm. source of life for everyone. All the nations will stream to it. Mm. You see that a bit here in Genesis or in Genesis and Revelation. All the nations are coming through the gates of Jerusalem. And Ezekiel, he sees this temple vision Mm -hmm. here on a mountain, i.e., in Jerusalem. So it's the source of life. Mm. And so that's why Jerusalem is so important. And here we have not just Jerusalem, the earthly city, the new. Jerusalem, God himself will come down mm. and replace everything that's old with something new. So that's why the, the focus of the Bible is on Jerusalem, because that's where Yahweh's presence mm. was in the temple. Um, so even though for us it seems like, ah, oh, Jerusalem, that means nothing to us, but in the Bible, it's think of it that way, it's like Eden. Eden is the source of all life. One day Jerusalem will be
0: the source yeah. of all life. So when you say sort of like Yahweh was in the temple, yeah, mm.
1: like so he was only in the temple. Well, yes and no. Mm. Yeah, it's a. So his direct manifest presence was in the holy of holies. And in fact, if you look at the description of Jerusalem as a city, it's four square, it's a perfect cube sure. shape. It's a holy of holies. There's no temple because the lamb is there. There's yeah. and the idea is that. This city, it is a temple completely. God's presence is, it's always there throughout the whole world, yeah. but it was specially manifested in the temple back in the Old Testament times. That's where worship happened. But yeah. for Christians, a temple is no longer needed because God's sure. presence will be there because there'll be no more sin sure. to sure. remove that barrier between God Very and humans. Very cool.
0: So we've got this idea of Jerusalem. Then. Mm. So how does, how does Babylon ah. fit within that in comparison? Yeah.
1: So Babylon, again, going back to Genesis, you'll you'll start to see that Revelation, it's actually just a commentary on the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. Uh, Back in Genesis chapter 11, we're introduced to a city and a tower called Babel. And here's a fun fact, um, Babel in Hebrew is the same word, Babel or Babylon, Mm. And so Babel means, the, you know, like the babbling of the confusion of languages, sure. Babylon. So Babylon, it's essentially the source of all evil in a sense. It becomes this sort of image in the Bible. Babylon is the contrast against everything that's good of God. Mm. And so in Revelation, I, I like to say, it's like remember the old pamphlets, Two Ways to Live? Revelation's like, it's two, hey, there's like two ways to live. You can have the... The, be sealed with the lamb or have the mark of the beast, you can uh, be part of the, the city of Babylon, who's mm. depicted as this harlot, mm. or you can be part of the bride, mm. who is New Jerusalem. So what Revelation does, it takes all these images of all these evil cities, which include the historical Babylon, back in Old Testament times, Egypt, Assyria, Tyre, and it sort of creates this super evil city, mm. Babylon, Babylon. And this is what represent, – it's representative of all evil. And so that evil needs to be destroyed mm. in order for Jerusalem to rule and reign.
0: Cool. Um, Very cool. So I've got another question for hmm. you regarding uh, a particular verse. Yes. It says in, in chapter 21, 1, um, it said, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Mm. So like, what's the deal there? Like Mm. does God not like dolphins? Why is there no sea? What's, what's, what's that all about? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's
1: Brian's yelling out save the whales. (laughs) Okay. Let's jump back to the Exodus. All right. Okay. What? So when the Israelites uh, are traveling along and then Pharaoh decides, nah, I want the Israelites back. What's the barrier? between them there's Pharaoh's army coming along and there's something there in the way it's the red sea they cannot cross that and so what does Yahweh do parts the waters and and so the sea represented evil and chaos and going back to genesis and to creation when god's spirit is hovering over the deep waters those deep waters are symbolic of evil of where where the ancients believed these mythical, huge, fearsome creatures live there. And so what God does, and that's what's beautiful about the Genesis narrative, is that mm. God speaks. Mm. Chaos mm. is overcome. The sea is overcome. And so what the prophets use, they use this imagery of crossing through the sea. Isaiah, um, I have a few references here. Isaiah 43, verse 16 to 21, Isaiah 51, 9 and 10, Zechariah 10, it talks about this idea of a new exodus and part of it is actually going through the waters. Mm. And so the removal of the sea here, it's almost like this prerequisite saying, hey, evil will be destroyed. Mm. Again, going back to Genesis. So in the beginning of creation, we have the sea and The darkness, there was evening and morning. In Revelation, it says, hey, there will be no more darkness Mm. because God is there. It's saying that type of evil, that was always threatening. And we know it did come. Well, evil was released when mankind sinned. That will be taken away completely. No more sea, no more darkness. There is no chance. There's no possibility that evil can come back. Mm. And so that's what it says. No more see.
0: Mm.
1: Just saying evil will be removed mm. completely. It's a it's a it's a reminder of comfort, yeah. of hope. And it's part of the new heavens and the new earth.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, I mean, I think when we look to Revelation, there's there's this sort of idea of it's a bit of an insight into a future that's that's still yet to come. Yeah. And I suppose this this kind of ask the question and something that we've been looking at in different ways over the past couple of weeks during this series what does revelation have to say about what happens when when we die when the
1: our life on this earth finishes yeah. it's it's actually quite interesting it doesn't actually say a whole lot we get little snapshots sure. um so in the fifth seal so there you got the seven seals seven trumpets seven bowl, in the fifth seal john sees these martyrs who are underneath the the throne of the altar of God and they're crying out for justice. Uh, we see the 144,000 worshiping, uh, the, ironically singing the sea of Moses declaring victory, yeah, right? Yep. Declaring victory before the final victories happened, Cause it's so certain and assured, but yeah, we have to sort of jump back a little bit to other parts of scripture. And when Jesus is on the cross and he says to the, the criminal next to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. Uh, paradise was this idea of heaven mm. but here revelation talks about heaven coming to earth mm. and so the idea is that we we die our spirits go to heaven with god but the end result is the resurrection it's coming back to earth to to live mm. with god as, as i said before as you know, God intended to be. We're sure. we're creatures of the earth. We went to live as earthlings and serve God in that space. So yeah. Revelation doesn't necessarily talk so much about what happens when we die, how we get to heaven. It gives us these little snapshots of what heaven looks like, these yeah. amazing creatures, people worshiping God, but the the real focus is on twenty one and twenty two, of yeah. humans living in this city, the New Eden. Yeah. And eating fruits and uh, serving God in this city where the gates are open and there's no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Totally. Very cool. Mm.
0: Very cool. So I I know like different people, even people who very much like love Jesus and and are very diligent in studying scripture, kind of like take out of Revelation very different things, right? We're kind of talking about how, you know, you can sort of view it as almost the world as a sinking ship, and it's mm-hmm. almost this nihilistic. It's like, oh, well, everything's going to be destroyed anyway. So let's just sort of bunker down in our little kind of Christian communities and we'll just let the outside world just take care of itself kind of thing. There's maybe also this this view of, um, you know, oh, if we kind of get into politics and we we fight really hard, then we'll kind of push the Christian agenda forward. And that's the way that we'll bring a new mm-hmm. heaven and new earth through our own sort of political yes. pushing. Um, how do you sort of then apply what Revelation is telling us about how we then move forward as Christians as like, I love that NT Wright quote, like living in a fourth act, yes. kind of moving towards a fifth act, right? Mm. It's kind of, it's partly done, but there's still something yet to be fully yep. fulfilled. How do, how do you see that all coming together in informing you and in informing mm. me and in informing us today as
1: Christians? Yeah. So practically... Um, looking at Revelation as a whole, we'll look at it as a whole and then sort of jump to 21 and 22. As a whole, the the book begins with seven letters to seven different types of churches. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Um, and and that, that picture of the two cities or two types of people, you can be sealed with the lamb or you have the mark of the beast There's Two ways mm. to live. You either compromise with Babylon and be part of her image, and all, all the. See, f- so, you know, that's the thing. Babylon seems like, let's use the word antichrist. Sure. It seems on the surface really impressive. And the harlot in chapter 17, 18, she's wearing all these jewels and all, all these trinkets to make herself look good. But in reality, this is. horrid. It's empowered by Satan herself. And so there's that practical sense of like, where are you going to end up? What's your choice? And that's another part of the book is like the Exodus. Hey, who are you going to be? Are you going to follow Pharaoh or are you going to follow Yahweh and be saved and redeemed? And we know that in Exodus, there were Egyptians who went along with the Israelites. Mm -hmm. They recognized that, hey, the Israelites, God, he's the way to worship. And it's the same here. Who are you going to choose? Mm. So that's the big picture of the book. And looking at 21 and 22, practically for me, um, I'll share a very silly story. <laughs> uh, I was When I was doing my undergrad, I was working at Sydney Cricket Ground. And the Blue Mountains trains are terrible. They only run every hour. Sure. And so you miss it. You've got to wait an hour. That's why you moved from the mountains. Yeah, I know. So it's but purely the trains. More, more, train, more <laughs> trains. But... Um, I, remember I needed to get home and I, my shift finished at one and the train left at ten past one. If you know where Moore Park is, it's about two kilometres from Central Station. I just said, oh, Lord, I really need to get the 110 train. I have to just get home and get stuff done. I remember he said, I'll get you home, but it's going to hurt. And I heard I had to sprint. I basically sprinted mm-hmm. just non-stop through Moore Park, down the hill, jump, literally jumped through the train doors as they was shutting yeah, like right. it was... Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, it just went... Ch- nice. And that's very silly, but I remember this sense of like, you're going to get there, but it's going to hurt. And so when I look at 21 and 22, it reminds me a bit of that is that life is full of pain and suffering. Right now, we don't live in a world which is described, you know, he'll wipe away every tears from their eyes and death shall be no more. There'll be no more mourning, crying or pain. We don't live in that world yet, but one day we will Mm And so for me, it's this spurring on to say, okay, right now I may not understand, this is sort of the, what we talking about Ecclesiastes, I may not understand what's going on, may not understand, say, for instance, why I have one kid who's really unwell, why I have one kid who has no health issues, or and, and all of us have things going on. There's this sense of, okay, there is this evil, there is this curse that, that we have to live with. That's the unfortunate reality of this world. We know that Jesus has broken that curse. He is our Passover lamb, but we haven't experienced the Red Sea moment yet. Mm. Satan and evil haven't been destroyed. Mm. And so until that day, when when the evil is destroyed, and we can live in the new Jerusalem and this earth restored. We just have to persevere. Mm. And what's cool about Revelation is that uh, there's heaps of debate about who the 144,000 are, but <laughs> I won't go into that, but there's one sort of image that it taps into. It's of soldiers. Mm. It's like a war registry that you get from the, the, in the Old Testament. Sure. We're like soldiers for Christ. But you know how we conquer? Not by fighting, but by submitting, mm. by being crucified, essentially. that's what book talks about a lot is martyrs suffering. that's that's who the faithful are. They're the ones who suffer. And so for me, it's like, okay, maybe I'm not being persecuted for my faith, but all of us suffer in some form or another, mm. but we will be conquerors if we remain faithful to jesus will become part of the bride Mm. instead of being part of the harlot rome and the interesting thing with the harlot is is that yeah she may have lots of jewels she may offer lots of wealth but in the end it's all going to fall apart where we see here with the new jerusalem it's adorned with all these jewels and Mm. gold it's this beautiful city city which gives us everything. And perhaps right here, right now, it may not seem like God is offering you everything you want. But look to 21 and 22. It's what these images are meant to spur in us. Hey, God's going to give us everything we need. Mm. Just persevere. Just hold on. Just conquer through evil. So... There's some practical things to yeah, take away. Love it. From so
0: good. Thanks so much, Mitch. Well, yeah, I know. I've uh, loved having these chats, yeah, and I've loved fun. particularly today. It's been really fun. Did you, Mitch, want to close us in oh, a prayer before we go into our last song with uh, Thomas yeah. and his campfire worship team? <laughs> I'd
1: Love to. Let's pray together. Hey Lord, we thank you for your word. At times, it is really complex and difficult, but we see in Revelation just this beautiful picture of your victory, of the, The holy city coming down and you dwelling with us as was intended way back in Genesis. And to live in a world with no more pain, no more tears and no more suffering. Lord, just what an amazing thing. And so, Lord, I pray today that we can continue to persevere. Lord, in the midst of the difficulties of life, not to be tempted to look to Babylon, not to be tempted to look to the things of this world but to look to you and you alone. And so, Lord, I just pray today that you can just help us to focus on Jesus completely. And so I pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.